Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really excited that you're here with us today. Every week on this show, The Happy Hour, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Before we get to our show today, I want to thank one of the sponsors of this show that makes it possible to put these out every week, and that is author Stephanie Mae Wilson. Stephanie has a friendship and small group guide, and it's called The Real Girl's Guide to Taking It All Off. Stephanie realized what we all realize is that finding time to spend with girlfriends is hard. And even when we can, many of us don't have a group of best friends and there's no blueprint for how to form one. After moving to a new city, Stephanie was struggling with this herself and she had an idea. She wrote out a list of questions that would help the group get to know each other and invited new friends over for a girls night. That night, they laughed, they cried and spoke God's truth into tender areas of each other's lives. And before they knew it, strangers became friends and friends became best friends. Those questions that Stephanie created for that group became a six-week small group guide that has achieved the same friendships and communities all over the country. So guys, whether you're looking to connect with old friends, to go deeper with new friends, or for the next study for your small group, our lives are so much richer when we have best friends to share them with. And this guide is the perfect way to get you there. Right now, Happy Hour listeners can download the first chapter for free. Just go to stephaniemaywilson.com slash happy hour to get your copy today. Guys, you're listening to episode number 125, and my guest today is Renee Swope. Renee is mama to three, and she spent many years working with women at Proverbs 31. She's written a best-selling book, and she has her newest adventure was a new book. It's called Craving Connection. This book is written by 30 different women from the Encourage community. I first met Renee when I interviewed her for the Influence Network podcast, and I fell in love with her. She shared with me some stories on that interview that I just knew that I wanted her to come on my show and expand on. Today, we talked about our identity crisis moments that all of us women walk through in certain seasons of our lives, whether that's leaving the workplace, going into the workplace, parenting, whatever that might be. She shares about her adoption of her little girl from Ethiopia. Plus, she talks in depth about the story of one of her sons declaring that he was now an atheist in his teenage years. You guys, I was so encouraged by this conversation. And what you don't know that I wish you did know is that after we finished recording and I had pushed stop, Renee listened to me share about some tough things that were going on in my world right around the time of this interview. And she took the time to encourage me so well. And what that shows me is that she's the real deal. Her encouragement in this interview didn't stop there. She continued to encourage me afterwards. I'm a big fan of this girl, and I think you're going to be as well. If you're listening and you just want to tell us something while you're listening, Twitter is a great way to do that. You can send us a message. I am at Jamie underscore Ivy, and Renee is at Renee Swope. Of course, my favorite place is Instagram, and I'm easy to find there. It's just at Jamie Ivy. 
Guys, if you've never subscribed to the show, I would love it if you did today. It's super easy. Go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes and you can subscribe in iTunes or you can search the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy in whatever podcast app that you listen to. That way, every single week when we release a new show, it's always going to be there for you. Okay, guys, last thing before we get to this interview that you're going to love is I want you to all know about the upcoming live show, and I want you all there. I want everybody that listens to come to this show. We put on live events. This will be our third weekend. We did our first two in 2016. This is our first one of the year. It's March 10th and 11th. This event happens two nights in March at my house, and it is so much fun. From the moment you step into my backyard, my hope and desire is that you would feel loved. That is what we want you to feel. You will also get to sit through a happy hour interview with some amazing guests each night, which the guests on Friday night are Tara Lee Cobble and Carrie Sowers, which if you haven't heard any of these ladies' interviews, please go back and listen to them because they are so full of such encouragement and truth. And then on Saturday night, we have Jamie Nato and Melanie Dale. I love all four of these women, and I really, really want you to be there with us. You're treated to the best food around, which is cooked by my husband. You get goodie bags, and there's just so much fun stuff there. There's happy hour merchandise that's only sold at live events. Guys, at some of our other events, I've seen women come alone. A lot of women come alone, and they meet new friends. It is such a safe place to come. And I've seen a lot of girls' trips happen around these nights. It is so fun to meet mothers and daughters who are on trips together, college roommate reunion trips, whatever. Austin is such a fun place to vacation. So you should come and plan a trip around the happy hour live. The dates are March 10th and 11th right here in Austin, Texas. And you can get all the info at jamieivy.com slash events. Okay, guys, here is my conversation with Renee. Hey, Renee, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you. And we met when I interviewed you last year. Uh, yep. For the Influence Network podcast. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that was so fun. It was so fun. I think it was like episode 48, 49, something like that. So people could go listen to it. But I remember we um, chatted and I did my job for them. And then I got done talking with you and I was like, okay, but now you have to come on my show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I interviewed you for them, but now I want you. So this has been something I've been looking forward to. Me too. Oh, so fun. Okay. So tell everyone that's listening where you live, what you do kids, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Okay. So I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am a wife, been married for 23 years to JJ, who I call the most patient man on earth. Um, we have three kids. Joshua's 21 and out on his own doing film work, still lives here in Charlotte, which is great, but out on his own. And then Andrew is 18. He's a freshman in college, about two hours away. And then Aster is eight, just had a birthday last weekend. Aww. And uh, yeah, so she's our baby girl and our only child now. It's so weird to just have one at home. But um, she is our little girl that we adopted as a baby from Ethiopia back in 2009. And so they keep me, all of them keep me busy. I mean, it's so fun being a mom of older kids and young adults as well as a little one again. So, um, and then also I do writing. I'm an author and I speak some, um, just different women's conferences and events like you do. And um, just stay busy doing that kind of stuff. Um, was formerly the... Proverbs 31 Ministries radio co-host and also an executive director on staff there for 20 years. And so just this year, I transitioned out of those roles so that I could be home more with Aster and focus on my next book. 
And um, also Aster has special needs. So just becoming a mom of a special needs little girl and figuring out how to navigate that and leave enough margin. Oh, I'm sure this is a whole new world that you're having to learn. It is. It is. And I was trying to do it all and I was running myself into the ground. <laughs> so, And you finally decided something has to change. Something has to change. Yeah. Um, God showed me that I was expecting way too much of myself, way more than mm. he expected and that I just needed to um, learn how to do less and be fully present, you know, yeah. and the big things that were coming and having a child with special needs. And I mean, every age is a new season, even having a son going off to college, like it's, it's different. Like he doesn't want to hang out in the afternoons and talk like he used to, cause he's my very social kid, but he does want to FaceTime a lot during the week. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, or, you know, I mean, I, we haven't visited much, but just leaving room for just changes in the season of his life. And then also, um, Aster every mm. year is different with her, with school and her IEP plans and her occupational therapy or speech therapy. And I have never done that before. So I definitely have a new level of oh, respect, honor, and compassion for parents with kids who have special needs. That it's almost like a full-time job. It is. And yeah. It's the information is so overwhelming and the weight of just wanting to do everything you can to make sure your child just reaches his or her fullest potential, which we already feel that with with our kids. But then when you add developmental delays or speech delays or sensory processing disorder and anxiety disorder and all that, you just there's just extra weight. And I have to be careful to remember, you know, God's writing her story. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm tapping into as many resources that we have available to yeah. us. Yeah, it's like this fine line that you're mm-hmm. trying to have to figure out. I'm interested to ask you, you said that you were formally doing some things that you kind of had to step back from because you needed to have a little bit more margin at home, a little mm-hmm. bit more space uh, with your daughter. Is this, this, I feel like this is, you know, this is a lot of us have felt this way before and some of us have taken steps to step back, but there might be some people that are listening that they're not taking steps back, but their body and their brain and their soul and their heart are mm-hmm. feeling like they need to do that. Did you have to kind of hit a bottom for that or did you? I did. See- okay. Yeah. 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 I wish I were wiser <laughs> or got God hints faster. Like mm-hmm. I, it was a process. I mean, I really can look back and see it was probably a three to four year process. I did cut back when we adopted Aster and then I kept cutting back. Um, as I wrote my first book. And then when you write a book and launch it, then more responsibilities come with that speaking events and things like that. And there's just, it's just another job that you have to leave room for. Mm -hmm. So I had cut back, but still when you're involved in a ministry and someone else, uh, an organization um, or customers or whatever it is, uh, is determining your schedule and unexpected things happen um, that then just add a level of stress because I'm highly responsible. So I would stay up to two o'clock in the morning if mm, that's what it took to yeah. meet my commitments or my deadlines or complete a project while also still trying to be a great mom, you know, mm. to all of my kids. Yeah. Um, my marriage probably is what got neglected the most and my health. So mm. I started getting severe migraines, which started out once a month, we thought were hormonal, and then they became two and three times a month, and I never knew when they were coming or how long they were going to take me out. Mm. And um, I, I, I would all, I was, I'm just, I'm hesitating to say this, but I often would think, oh, it's spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. You know, I just need to press through, and it took me a while 
to realize that my body was the stress levels and the chemistry in my body were screaming for mm-hmm. attention. But I, I don't know what it is, if it's the way my parents raised me, if it's my personality, I just tend to gut it up and push through hard stuff and even physical pain. And, um, but once I did slow down and give my body more margin, I thought, great, I'll be, I'll be fine. And actually, once my body knew that I was going to stop and the adrenaline stopped, I hit a pretty hard wall that took about four to five months to recover from. I probably had adrenal fatigue. Just like physically or emotionally and spiritually? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Correct. Mostly physically, mm-hmm. but actually also emotionally. Um, spiritually, you know, I was good. I mean, because I feel comfortable breaking before God, mm-hmm. you know, so I broke and I was okay with that. And he was near and I didn't feel far from him. Um but I just could sense the Holy Spirit just showing me. And it was the beginning of what's been about a year and a half journey because I just transitioned. Like I just resigned in April mm-hmm. of this year and my radio show stopped this fall. So it's it's been a process. But um, I it, in the beginning when I finally really cut back and hit kind of a wall, I could tell it was the beginning of a rearranging and kind of a renovating Mm -hmm. is what it became. Yeah. My whole mindset. Yeah. What does it look like to be a Christian woman in ministry, in leadership, and a mom and a wife? And I mean, part of it was I loved what I did. I love the people. Mm -hmm. I love being productive. And part of me was afraid if I if I did less and I worked from home and just was on my own in ministry, I was really afraid of the isolation and loneliness mm. and it hit and it it's a reality. Yeah. And it's been a hard adjustment. Yeah, I'm sure. Did you feel as though your identity was a little bit caught up in all of those things that you did? What's interesting, I've really thought about it. I th- here's the place where what went through my mind and maybe this was my way of knowing my identity was, was once people know I'm not with Proverbs, they're not going to be interested in connecting with me. That's what you thought. I did. Okay. Um, and Have you then, found that to be true? Not really. Okay. No. okay. Well, good. I mean, that's good, right? Cause it, yeah. 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 No, God challenged me with the thought, well, then would you really want to be connected with them anyway? Mm, right. <laughs> I was like, no, (laughs) Um, you're right. And so, but I did have to wrestle through that fear of becoming invisible, Mm. that fear because of what I was doing created so many relationships. And I I love women's ministry. I love collaborating. I love pouring into women and encouraging them and their God-given influence. So one of the things I've really thought about over the last few months was Um, Even if we are maybe moving to a new city or transitioning to a new job, I was talking to my mentor about this recently because she will probably retire in the next few years. And she, I guess she'll be 65 by then. Mm -hmm. She is a women's ministry director and over some other areas of her church too in Memphis in a thriving church with one of the most dynamic women's ministries. And it's not all about her at all. She's Mm -hmm. a very behind the scenes leader, pouring into leaders. And, but she said, I was like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she said, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to have an identity crisis. And I said, well, part of it is you get so much joy from what you do. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think sometimes we think, oh, my identity is wrapped up in it. And it can be like, who will I be if I'm not this? Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes it's what will I do with my passions and my gifts? And how will I manage my need for relationships and collaboration? And that those aren't like, oh, this became an idol. That that's that's God's wiring, mm-hmm. you know, where mm-hmm. we're using our, our passions and our gifts and it's part of our story. So I think sometimes we can feel guilty or think, oh, I don't love Jesus enough because my identity is wrapped up in this because I'm struggling with this transition. And I think sometimes it's a matter of just, it's also part of just grieving the loss of what we loved and what was and what mm-hmm. isn't. Mm-hmm. And not guilting ourselves into just thinking it was identity. Does that make sense? It does totally make sense. And I I hear this from women often when they uh, leave the workplace and stay home with their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear the them say to me, you know, I just I I love my kids. I just don't Mm -hmm. know who I am anymore because I don't have this outlet. And I think maybe from what you're saying, if and I don't want to misquote you, but from what you're saying is it's almost like it needs to be kind of a little mind shift of we're not like wrapping our identity up in what we used to do. It's like a a changing of how our gifts are going to be used. And it's a different Mm -hmm. season and a different time. Um, And it just looks different than before. And I, yeah, you're completely quoting me accurately. And I think that I do think sometimes, I mean, there were years and years ago when my boys were little, where I had been on staff with Proverbs 31 Ministries, and I needed to step down for a season. It was about 18 months. And that, I did feel like I went through a little bit of an identity crisis Mm -hmm. with like, who will I be if I'm not with Proverbs and I'm just a stay-at-home mom? Yeah. And I did have to work through a lot of that. And God really used that to work with me through some identity stuff. Mm -hmm. Coming from the workplace into just being a mom is hard because... Um, it's monotonous. Like it feels like it never ends and there's no projects. There's no sense of completion. So true. There's a due and, date. <laughs> you don't turn and, it and, in. Yeah. And like nobody like gives you a, a, a review, like, a, you know, a performance review or a right. rate, even in an evaluation. <laughs> yes. you're doing a good job. And so it's hard. I mean, it's, it, it is hard. I don't want to like, negate that at all. And I also think that it can be a real test of our identity and our worth. One of the things that helped me the most was later, probably after we adopted Aster, because I was kind of going through another transition um, back more towards home, um, was to help me see, I, I felt like God revealed to me you know, I had used strength finders and my personality tests and all in the workplace to help me as a tool to know how I would thrive and where my best offering might come. And I felt like God really showed me, like, why don't you use your gift of encouragement in your home real intentionally? Mm. Like, why don't you use your gift of shepherding leadership? You know, also with strength finders, like I'm a maximizer, I'm a strategizer. And with Aster, it really helps to have those strengths. Yeah. But I had to shift my mindset. And think, how can I develop a strategy for her versus just feeling overwhelmed by all these appointments and paperwork? How can I strategize this? How can I maximize the situation? You know, and using those things that we use in the workplace in our homes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Can help us to feel valued in a different way. It's so true. I love it. And I, I think that um, that's going to be an encouragement to so many women who are listening right now as their babies are sleeping um, and they're doing laundry or folding clothes or doing dishes or something is just to think about that in a different light. 
what are your gifts? What are your strengths? Bring the fullness of those things in your home. Mm-hmm. Don't think they're only valuable outside of your home. I used to. Because the and truth I- is, is God is not just looking at us to use any kind of gifts um, in a workplace. Exactly. You know, God has put you in the time and place that you are right now. And if it is that you're staying home with your babies, it's not like he's taking gifts away from you or he's put you in right. a lesser place. You know, it's just a different place and you still have the gifts that he's given you. It's just how do, mm-hmm. how do we use them wherever we are, whatever stage yeah. of life we're in? Yeah, um, that's really good. Okay, so parenting, you have two grown sons and then you practically started over. Practically. <laughs> are you a different <laughs> mom than you were with your boys? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say my heart isn't different. Like I really love being a mom, but I also have this side of my personality that really likes being productive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still struggle with that, but I really love like like reading books with Aster and sitting and cuddling feels like just a really good cup of coffee or a good cup of wine, just right. very calming. And I love that. And I love that when my boys were little too, that nurturing part of motherhood. Um, but I will say I'm way more laid back. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um, so much more laid back. I think I am much more present um, in in the everyday moments and in in the even the hard stuff, because now I do know how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody tells you, oh, it goes so fast. Um, but now my boys are gone and I realize, wow, Aster will be 18 before I blink. And so definitely the second time around, I am savoring and enjoying more than, um, I did with my boys. I bet, man, I, I had my babies, my youngest when I was, I mean, my oldest when I was, I think 25, And then even though not all my kids were home yet from Haiti, all of them were born before I turned 30, which was this weird Mm -hmm. little goal that I wanted. I have no idea why now. Um, But I look back and I think, man, um, I'm going to be a really amazing grandma. Like I am going (laughs) to like all of the things that were hard because my kids are so close together. I look back at some of the years when I had when they were all smaller and Mm -hmm. it is such a blur. It is such Mm -hmm. a blur. Like even when Amos first came home. I had two four-year-olds and a two-year-old and a six-year-old. And I look back and I think, I don't remember very much about that time, except for I was exhausted in all aspects, physical, spiritually, emotionally. I was just... All your brain cells. Everything was done. (laughs) Yes. And we had, you know, trauma going on in our family and all kinds of things. And I look back and I'm like, man, so many things that I think I would be amazing at now with a two-year-old. I didn't didn't feel amazing then, but man, I'm going to be an amazing grandma to a two-year-old. Let me tell you, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do that well when that happens. Um, I feel like I'm going to be a grandma by the time. (laughs) You might. I mean, Um, it's very likely. It will be actually. (laughs) But, um, but you know, that was, that's, I will say like our adoption, I've heard your adoption story and how that's something that you guys just always wanted to do. And for us, the dream of adopting and the calling was planted in my husband's heart first. And for three years, he really wanted to adopt. And I was like, nope, I'm good. I love having boys. Like, I, this is good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel called. And, and, um, and I was like, and if we do this because you feel called, I will resent you when it gets hard. <laughs> right. and, and so he prayed and eventually, I mean, God did just pour the same desire and calling and vision. So as we started moving forward though, we both thought God was calling us to adopt two little girls, four and six. So they'd have each other, but they'd be a little bit older. So they, so that they wouldn't be as far in age from our boys. Mm-hmm. But, that's not what happened. 
at the time we were in the process to adopt, very few older sibling groups were coming through, but a lot of babies were, a lot mm-hmm. of infants mm-hmm. had been opened. And so I was shocked when we were placed with a baby. Um, I mean, it took me a week to to let God convince me that this indeed was. I'm sure. <laughs> How old was she? She was five months old when she was orphaned and she was six months old when we were called. Okay. And then we went, we were there by the time she was 10 months old. So you brought home a, a baby. Baby. And she wasn't crawling. She was drinking a bottle. She wasn't, I think she was almost ready for baby food because she was delayed in some mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would walk up to strangers in Target and say, can you remind me, like, what do 10 <laughs> babies eat? And right. What are good diapers? Like my youngest boy was 11. Oh, I mean, time. I would be the same way. Yes. <laughs> And you should see pictures of me where I'm holding up her head because her head's all flopsy and I'm holding it up with one hand and feeding her with the other. <laughs> oh my gosh. In a high, well, what, in, it wasn't a high chair. It was pro- probably a toddler chair. Yeah. Like, it's just trying to survive. So oh. I definitely thought, oh Lord, I think you're crazy. Like, what, a baby, you know? And I can tell you now though, I'm so glad God gave us a baby and that now I have an eight-year-old who's still home because- I'm just so glad to have this season of life with her. As hard as it is, mm-hmm. it's exactly where my heart needs to be. Um, mm. I'm in the process of writing another book, and one of the chapters is going to be called Coming Home to Me. And I have I have so like resisted a lot about the season I'm in, but in it, as I've just relinquished, you know, what I thought it would be and... I really feel like I'm coming home to the person that I really am. Mm. And it's, it's just beautiful and, and, and unusual and unexpected. And I don't know. So where do you think that's coming from? I think that all along God knew what I needed. I think he knew I needed a baby. I think he knew that my heart really loves being home that I really love being a mom full time and working at a pace that kind of just fits us better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, my high, high sense of responsibility thought he expected um, a crazy pace. And mm-hmm. I think there was a season that he wanted us to live at a pace that was quite challenging. But I remember a lot of people saying to me, how do you do all you do? How do you do it all? And I was like, I don't, I just, I don't know. We just do, you know, we're a team. And mm-hmm. but my stress level now is so much lower, so mm-hmm. much lower. And you and didn't my, even know what you needed. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I really think I was misreading what God expected to mm. do. I really do. Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, one, you, you're a part of a collection that's coming out um, with Encourage, a new book that you have. When is that releasing? It's released in January 10th. 2017. Okay. Awesome. And it is about craving connection. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what led you guys to put out something like this? Well, encourage and it's spelled with an I, um, is owned by Dayspring. So it's a online community of women with about 20 or 25 of us that write for it from, we're from all over the country and different seasons of life and, um, different perspectives on on, uh, work, you know, have the core faith beliefs that are the same, but just different perspectives. And, One of the things as we write online, our goal and our hope and our prayer is that women will use the conversations we're having online to springboard into real life relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that um, we were wired for that. And so as we've written over the past several years, um, 
that's where the conversation always turns is to those in real life relationships. And so this book is written by 30 different people, some on our team and some are contributors and friends of the ministry. Um, and it's 30 challenges about like, what does it look like to develop in real life relationships as women? And what are the ups and the downs and the ways we've got been hurt and the, the reasons we're afraid or the hindrances to overcome? And um, it's just a beautiful collection that we felt like gave voice to all of the conversations that we've seen rising to the surface, especially over the past few years. And as you, I think, would say as well, you know, it's so easy to become isolated. And with online connections, we get a sense of connection, but it's not the same as face to face Mm -hmm. and heart to heart, you know, where we can look someone in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so we've, we've become so busy and so connected online that a lot of us don't even have time to be connected in real life. It's so true. It is so true. And do you think that sometimes our online connection um, for a split second feels as though we're connected, but it's still leaving us empty? Absolutely. I think we tell our brains, oh, I am connected. But then our souls and our hearts are like still hungry yeah. and they don't, they feel lonely mm-hmm. because, because on a logical level, we just got a quick connection, but on a spiritual and relational and emotional level, we didn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's a deep craving um, in us. And, you know, if you think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like God was always in community. Mm-hmm. And with us being created in His image, we were created for community. Yeah. And r- in real life, I mean, there was nothing digital back, you know. Right, right. <laughs> like creation or uh-huh. when Jesus walked the earth. or, um, And so, and, and you can just see, man, looking at the life of Jesus, I'm just always so captivated by how he made time for relationships, how he was never in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And, and people never, to me, you know, they never seemed like an interruption. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just, it was always like he saw it as an invitation, you know, to connect. Mm. And um, I, I just want to be like that. And I think we, I think we were created for it. And I'm hoping my prayers and all of us just are hoping that this will be a springboard for really deep, beautiful, authentic conversations about friendship that I don't think we as women have had because it's one of those topics maybe we're afraid to be vulnerable about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I sense God moving us as women, um, not just in the church. And, and sometimes I think women in the church or in um, Christianity and ministry are actually don't put as much of an emphasis on real life connections um, because we, I don't know, feel like we should always be doing ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I look at my neighbors and they often are getting together with their friends in real life more than I am and a lot of my other friends. So um, I don't know if because so much ministry happens online that we also feel like that's where we should be. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, we I just had a discussion the other day with another girlfriend of mine and a woman who works at our church with women's ministry. And, and you know, our question, we didn't leave with an answer, which is, you know, we but we were just throwing out the question of why is it so much harder to get women connected these days? Like we're just struggling to get women connected in our own church body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was the first to admit, like, it's hard for me, you know? I mean, it really is hard for me as someone who works from home, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in my own little bubble, Mm -hmm. um, probably, you know, from my close group of girlfriends, probably 15 minutes away from the closest one. Um, And then when my kids get home from school, I don't want to leave because I I haven't seen them all day. Um, And then the weekends as family. I mean, it, it is just harder, but I don't remember it used to being this hard. I know. I totally agree with you. And I've seen a shift. You know, one of the things with speaking in ministry over the past several, well, gosh, 
16 years. I can't believe it's been that long. But I saw a shift in the church, too. And it's not just the church's fault, but I think um, with with social media, the busyness of our culture, but I also saw a shift in a lot of churches away from women's ministry mm-hmm. and towards just life groups, you know, mixed small groups, life uh-huh. groups, home groups, whatever you call them. But, but women... <laughs> crave and desperately need female connection. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of women I know went outside the church to get that need met. Yeah. And um and so that shifted. I think a lot of it, you know, I mean I do know a lot of people who've met great friends online and I have too. For sure, yeah. Um but I think that's part of why it's now becoming a real challenge, really hard to get women in our own churches to get to be connected. And I've had to get really intentional in my own life because of my new season of life, which so I'm working from home by myself most of the time. But I just set aside Fridays as my days I'm going to connect with friends. Mm. And so I make myself work really hard Monday through Thursday and intentionally make sure on Friday I'm either having coffee or lunch or both to make sure that that um, pocket mm-hmm. <laughs> inside of me is getting filled because yeah. I I am very relational and God wired me to be that way. I mean, it gives me joy to just hang out with friends. But yet the busy side of me that's real task oriented wasn't making it a priority. That's kind of where I am. I'm a very like task oriented, do my job, work, mm-hmm. you know, create, put out stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I when I think about connecting um, with women, I think I did a much better job of this when I had little kids at home, right? Because it was almost as though I felt my need was greater because I'm just like all I'm doing all day is like we talked about before that monotony of just changing diapers and feeding and reading books and you know the, the things that you do with preschoolers that I felt as though I need a connection of someone that is you know like me, older, not a child. Um, And then I find myself getting in a rut as a working woman and and like you working in isolation um, that I start to, I can tell when I'm starting to get a little bit like I need to have some connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've kind of done what you've done, kind of picked a day where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to meet a friend for lunch on this day. Yeah. And it works well for me. You know, I'm already in town. I say in town. I don't live that far out. But, you know, I go into town on those days. I'm going to meet someone for lunch. And so it's just I'm I'm starting to even feel that sense of, Jamie, you need to make this a priority. So Mm -hmm. I can hear I can see where um, this is a a need for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And I think that this book, um, my hope is that it'll also, you know, with we're partnering with Lifeway to release the book. And Lifeway has is just such a great ministry with resources for churches. And so I really am hoping with that partnership too, that it's going to move into a lot of churches and really create a place um, for women to connect around, you know, the table talking about the topic of the book. But also I think it gives a lot of insight into what are some of the things women struggle with in relationships? Because let's be honest, like sometimes female relationships can be really hard and we can get really hurt. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, swear we're never going to try again. <laughs> yeah, because we put our guards up. I'm not going to get yeah. hurt again. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think I just think it's an important conversation. And I really feel like I just sense God stirring this conversation that it's really important to him um, that we as women are connected. You know, you think about someone was mentioning to me this week how it used to be like we if we wanted a recipe or we wanted advice like we would needed to talk to someone, but now we can Google oh, any yeah, question. Exactly. <clears throat> yes. And so that's also been, you know, um, something that's kind of given us like a deter it's deterred us from reaching out to someone else 
that's a human and in our life. But, you know, those questions and advice, I mean, I feel like that's really what connects us and, you know, gives us those things that are in common versus me Googling, like, what's the best lipstick? It's right. so fun <laughs> if I box a few friends. Like, okay, guys, tell me your favorite lipstick. Yes, yes. You know, and it's just, that's what friendship should be about, too. Okay, guys, before we get back to my conversation with Renee, I want to thank the other sponsor for this show, and that is Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a meal planning service. Every week, Allison is going to send you an email that's going to have the meals listed out that you're going to prepare for, a grocery list, and then a step-by-step guide to prepare those meals. For example, you're going to see meals such as honey, ginger, salmon with roasted mushrooms and acorn squash. Guys, that's amazing. You're going to see salt and pepper roasted drumsticks with sweet potato and pear soup. These are great meals, but they're not going to have you spending hours in the kitchen because you're going to prep one day and then you're going to have meals ready for the rest of the week. I highly recommend this for all of us crazy working women, stay-at-home moms, taking care of babies, college kids. This plan works for everyone. And right now, Prep Dish is offering you 50% off in January only. Go to prepdish.com slash happy hour flash sale, all lowercase prepdish.com slash happy hour flash sale, and you can sign up for 50% off. And this is only good in January. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Renee. Okay, I want to switch, um, switch here a little bit from friendships to parenting. I know we kind of touched on parenting a little bit before, but when I chatted with you uh, for the Influence Network podcast that we did, you brought up something and we did not get to chat about it long because uh, it wasn't uh, relative to what we were talking about. But I knew as soon as I got off the phone with you that I wanted to have you come back and talk with me about this. Um, I wanted to ask you about you went through some time with one of your sons in parenting that was really, really hard and challenging. And now you're on the other side of it. Um, so I want to hear about that story that you and your husband walked through with um, one of your kids and you can share as much as, or as little as you want. Um, but I know that there are so many mamas listening. Um, they're going to go through hard times with one of their kids um, and not hard times like, oh, they're like getting a D in chemistry, but like hard, emotional, spiritual times. Yeah. Um, and so talk with me about that. And I want to hear that story. Yeah. So, and I have Andrew's permission to share um, his story. Not, I don't go into as much of his side of things because um, I just more share from my side, like what we walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, but feel free to ask me, you know, whatever you want to ask me. Um, so in 2013, it was January of 2013 and Andrew turned 15. And just like my son, Joshua, something happens when a boy turns 15 and it's weird. It literally is like they wake up 15 and they're a different kid. Oh, I don't <laughs> want this to happen. I don't want, I have an almost 13 year old and my heart cannot handle this. Well, maybe it's just the hormones in our family. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's just genetics. I don't know. But, um, but because I had been through something similar with Joshua, I didn't panic, you know, and I didn't pull all the strings hoping he would just, you know, open up with me. Um, But he just became distant. He became aggravated. He became not very pleasant to be around Um, and just very discontent. Like no matter what we did, it was never enough. And, um, you know, he normally was my very happy, very social, very fun. Like his nickname is, his nickname is Boomer. Like when he walks in the room, it's boom. Like he's just, uh-huh. he brings life to a room. He loves asking questions and creating community and even within our home. And so this was a big, big change. And I'm, I was sad. 
Um, but I also knew it might only last about a year. Yes, <laughs> we, you knew right? what to expect. Based on Joshua's experience, it might only last a year if, you know, if we do this right. And, and doing it right meant having JJ, my husband, step in and really call him out as a young man um, with how to treat me with respect and how to navigate through his need to become independent and all those things. So we did all of those same things that we had done before. And, um, but every month, it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. Now, at this time, Aster had been home a few years. And so we were navigating, you know, that toddlerhood and special needs therapies and all of that. I had released a book. Life was pretty busy. I was traveling some. Um, and I had a trip to Miami planned for the release of my book in Spanish. And so we invited Andrew to go with us and thought, that'll be fun. You know, that'll put him in a good mood. Mm-hmm. He was still miserable to be with. And by the time we got home, I remember sitting at the dinner table and I was like, what is your problem? Like, I just finally like just confronted him. And he's like, what is your problem? Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no, you go first. Like, just tell me what's going on. And he's like, and he said, I just, I just need to be honest. And he, cause I think I said, what do you want? And he said, I just want to be able to tell you guys that I've decided I'm an atheist. And neither one of us saw that coming at all. We were both in shock, although we faked it through that mm -hmm. moment. Um, we didn't panic. Um, we had been through something not exactly the same, but Joshua had been through his own faith challenges mm -hmm. as a 16-year-old. But it wasn't the same. Like Andrew was angry um, and antagonistic. And we just listened and we said, like, how long have you been thinking this? Like, when did you make this decision? Kind of can you unpack it for us since we didn't know this was going on? Like, we just tried to ask non-confrontational, but kind of just more inquisitive kinds of questions. Joshua was sitting at the table, just very closely listening. And um, so that night, I remember JJ and I being probably in our room or our closet or something and going, oh, my gosh, like, what in the world? is going on and just both of us like in shock saying we didn't see that we just didn't how do yeah, we miss that? right how do we miss any signs that this is going on so um our we both um felt like of course slapped upside the head mm -hmm. stabbed in the night in the heart um jj i will say overall because it, it was a long process his overall feeling was i have failed as a father mm. because he just you know he had poured into our boys spiritually had been a, you know just done really special things with them as they'd grown up and we had never like forced god on our kids but we definitely god was a part of everything we did we yeah. talked about pray together we took him to Sunday school, you know, we would try to do family devotion sometimes, like, and make it fun, and they would roll their eyes. And mm -hmm. No, yeah. It was very much a part of our life, though, um, but not, like, I don't feel like we were legalistic, um, but he had also been to a Christian school, and so he'd been exposed to God for a long time. Um, so over time, how I felt was more afraid. JJ felt sad and like he'd failed. I felt afraid of how far this could go and how dark it could get. Mm. And so I remember one night being in my closet and I was upset because Andrew was at a Christian school and we'd found out that there was a boy at the school who had started asking him a lot of questions about his faith and kind of the, we found out the kid 
wasn't, he wasn't, I don't, he probably wasn't atheist, but he definitely wasn't a Christian. And I think it, it just was the beginning of kind of the crumbling of mm-hmm. the foundation that he had. And, um, but I was mad at God. I mean, to be honest, I was angry. Like, how did you not let us see this? Um, we're paying thousands of dollars you know, for him to go to the school and this happened. And just, I just, I'm saying those things cause they're normal to feel. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I remember thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I wanted to take YouTube away from him because I, I found out that he had been watching YouTube videos. Um, and I wanted to pull him out of school, homeschool him, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to take control and put him back in my safe bubble that mm-hmm. I thought I could create. And God, not in an audible voice, but a very clear statement that I know wasn't just me. I sense God just saying to me, Renee, Andrew's heard it all mm-hmm. for 15 years. He has heard it all. He knows what you believe. Um, now you need to live what you say you believe. Like you need to be who you say I am. Like instead of telling him God is patient, Renee, you need to be patient. Instead of telling him God wants to spend time with you, Renee, you need to spend more time with him whenever he wants to whenever it's inconvenient, like you just need to be available. And like, I just felt like these characteristics, um, like God wants to listen to you. Like he wants to hear everything you're thinking. Like, he's like, listen to him, like stop Mm -hmm. talking and be who you say I am. And so that became like my guiding, um, thought process. Um, there were conversations that we had that were hard, but instead of reacting, um, I would just listen um, instead of criticizing. I look for ways to like affirm him because I felt like if we pulled everything away from him and pulled away his independence and forced our beliefs on him, which is our natural instinct to want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this because I think this is what most parents do. And youth, we've talked to some youth leaders who have asked us about our process and they said, that's exactly what happens. And mm-hmm. I knew if we did all that, Andrew would run further and he would run faster. Yeah. And, um, I had to think through like, not only what do I want now, but what do I want long-term mm-hmm. you know, with Andrew? Um, and I had to think through, cause I was in public ministry in our city, like our home headquarters for Proverbs is here. I'm on the radio here and I had to be okay with people knowing right. where we were. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to hide this, which can be really humbling and hard in the church but I think it was a really important part of our process. Um, and also for us to figure out who around us who were believers, how were they going to respond to Andrew? Mm. Because he needed to be loved unconditionally. Right. And he needed to grace in life, real life, like in, in, in action. Mm. And um, so there was one times when he would, he said to me, you know, he was getting out of the YMCA to go play basketball or something. And I remember him using um, language that was pretty strong and me thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope you're not saying that like at your Christian school. <laughs> right. <laughs> and instead of me saying like, you didn't say that today at Carmel, did you? No, I was like, wow, I just love your honesty, you know, because mm-hmm. he was he, he said something like, you know, either. God doesn't exist or he's hardened my heart like Pharaoh. And that really ticks me off, except he didn't use the word ticks me off. Right, right. And um, so Andrew knew a lot about the Bible, and but his heart had grown cold towards God. And he was angry because 
he had begged God to help him through some temptations and some struggles, and he felt like God was absent. And he, mm. you know, told us as we walked through the process, um, eventually he told us he didn't want to go to church. And um, this was probably about six months into it. And we prayed about it and really felt like we weren't supposed to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, said, you know, you don't have to go, but we... We do believe there is a God. Our whole life depends on him. He's entrusted you to us. And we want to be good stewards of who you are while you're under our roof. And so we are going to pour truth into you, but we'll do it in a way that that fits with where you are. So we'll do church at home. Maybe we can watch some sermons online and you get to pick who will watch. You know, mm-hmm. just giving them some freedom. So it wasn't like, okay, you don't have to go to church and you can just figure all this out. Right. You know, still stayed close. Um and still poured truth in, but in a way that didn't feel like we were just slapping scripture on him, hoping it would sink in. Was he receptive to that? Um, yeah, he was. I mean, and he didn't really have a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was like, okay, if you don't want to go to church, that's fine. But here's the deal. And so are you cool with that? And he was like, yeah, as long as you guys, like if we're watching some sermon and they start preaching about stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable, you're willing to turn it off. And, and, you know, we didn't, we, this wasn't a battle about who's in charge. You know, this was a spiritual battle for the heart of our kid. Yeah. Cared about was truth being poured just into him in whatever ways that God would creatively do. And we never, like, we prayed over like, okay, Lord, what might be a pastor he might connect with a younger pastor or something, you know, just like, and we just would ask the Lord to to lead us. And he did, you know, just over time. And, um, when Andrew felt uncomfortable, like we honored him, we just felt like it was important to meet him where he was. And, um, we didn't take away YouTube, um, which I really wanted to, but I just felt that would be another thing where he'd find it. He'd find, he'd find the, the questions Mm -hmm. that he wanted to ask somewhere. And I didn't want him. And I'd rather him do that here. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, God used YouTube. <laughs> um, he ended up watching Zach Sobiak, which I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he, his mom wrote Fly a Little Higher, which was a book that was featured at If Gathering, or she's a mom that was featured at If oh, Gathering. Oh, I think I remember this. I have this book, I think. Yeah. So Laura Sobiak, you probably interviewed her. or I don't think her... I did, but I do have the book. Did her son pass away? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Brain, yep. brain cancer at 17. Okay. Soul Pancake did a story. You're like your last, oh, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, it's that what he wanted his last days to be about what he wanted to do with his life before it ended. And that story, he, Andrew, which we didn't know while he was an atheist, he saw Zach and there was something about Zach that Zach had hope and he had a purpose despite the fact that he was dying. It made Andrew question, what if there is a God? Mm. And how could this kid have hope? Mm-hmm. And we had no idea that happened until, oh uh, gosh, uh, years or two, one or two years later, I was interviewing Laura for my blog. And he was like, you're interviewing Laura, like Zach's mom. And I'm like, how do you know about Zach? Yeah. And it just was this beautiful, unbelievable story because then he got to meet Laura and tell her how Zach, God had used Zach to wow. soften oh my gosh. heart, mm. be open to the possibility of God again, which is what happened over time as we met Andrew where he was. And I really, I'm not saying this to sound super spiritual or anything. I truly feel like 
we just, as we watched what God was doing, we literally thought, is this real? Like, like it built so much to watch God woo Andrew back to himself through what we would think of like unconventional ways mm. and um, through like Zach's story. And um, one of the things that like one um, day in the summer, I remember saying to Andrew, kind of instead of church, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Love Does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was his assignment was to read a chapter from Bob Goff's Love mm-hmm. Does every day. And, um, and we would laugh because his stories are hilarious. And then, you know, later on, he told me, like, I'd always skip the end of the chapters where he starts talking about Jesus because mm. I knew what he was going to say. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that book impacted Andrew a mm. lot because it it paints the picture of Jesus as a, of who is, who is, what does God look like when he's living in us? Like, what do our lives look like when we're allowing Christ to just love people through us? Yeah. And um, one time Andrew said to us, I feel like my spiritual life was like a beaker and all my sin was just this dark water. And I kept pouring, you know, prayer or going to Bible study or going to a Christian school or going to church into this beaker. And no matter how much I tried to pour in good stuff, like it never, it never changed the dark Mm -hmm. water. And so I just decided to crash the beaker. Yeah. And he physically like took his hands and like, and just shattered the beaker. And he said, and now I'm free Mm -hmm. because now, in my, you know, I've decided there isn't a God and I don't have to worry about my son mm-hmm. and I feel more free than ever. And we were just like, wow. And I remember saying to him, like, Andrew, God wants you to crash that beaker, mm-hmm. like shatter the beaker, because shattering that beaker and the freedom that you feel right now, honestly, is it's grace. Like, you don't have to do all these things that you feel like you have to do to be okay with God. But it, you know, he had to find that out. Yeah. Um, and had to find that out on his own, mm. you know, so we would whisper those truths and just gentle conversations. And he saw us both cry. You know, we were, we let him see us hurt too. Mm-hmm. And just say sad because, um, I remember Angie, JJ saying, I'm just sad because I love my heavenly father so much. And like, he's like my papa, like, and I just, I know that, like you hate him right now. And so mm. my heart's sad, but I love you and I'll always love you, mm. you know, no matter. What. And um, I'm here with you. And um, one of the assignments that God had given to JJ was to get up and make Andrew breakfast every day um, so that he would start his day, you know, with his dad. And um, a really neat thing happened. So over a period of, we walked through a really hard for year. And then over a period I'm sure God was working in ways we didn't even know behind the scenes. Um, we switched schools. Um, we went. We, we switched to a, another Christian school, but Andrew wanted to go to a bigger school, and he chose this school because he wanted to play basketball, and he knew the big public school we were we are zoned for. He wouldn't have a chance. So, mm-hmm. and that was a really big deal. Like the the men that were on staff there, faculty, um, the headmaster at that school, and just were men who really accepted him with grace and um, had great conversations with him, invited him to be a part of groups that they were doing. And um, I I know God used those people Mm -hmm. for sure. But over time, Andrew just, he would tell, one of the things he said was, I'm just tired of living without hope. Mm. And I want to be open to the possibility of God. 
And um, he started reading his Bible, trying to see if these sermons he'd heard were these people really making this stuff up. Right. <laughs> like he was reading the Bible, not because he had to, but because he was curious. Yeah. And all of a sudden he would come and say, oh my gosh, did you know this? Like, did you know that? And we were just in shock. Mm. We were, and we didn't act like it. Like I was like, keep your cool. Don't get excited. If <laughs> right. you think you're excited, he's going to throw that Bible out the window. Like, yes. not excited. I just be like, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually one day he came in from school and he said, a friend of mine asked me if I'm still an atheist. And I told him I'm not. And I was like, really? And, and, um, he's like, yep. I told him that, um, I've given, like, I, I've given my life to Christ and like, I want to give him a chance. And it was just, this, that's like, just what he said when he came from school. Yes. He hadn't told us <laughs> after all of that. What now? How did you keep your cool with that? I did. I just, I, I, I never, I didn't want to put my hope in a decision he'd made. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Like, I didn't want it to be about, yay, Mm -hmm. you know, you're back in the kingdom or, you know, like, I just wanted it to be about his relationship, just a relationship. Because that's what he had said to me at one point was, I just, I don't want to know all these things about what Christians believe and what the church says. He still wasn't even going to church. We Mm -hmm. never made him go to church. He decided eventually to go to church, but we never made him go back to church because he had said, I just want to pursue the face of God, the person Mm -hmm. of God. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to know if he's a person. And um, so that's why, you know, I mean, and you know, with teenagers, like, well, you'll know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you get excited about it, then they don't want to do it anymore. Right. It has to be their idea. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, and so, I mean, eventually he started to talk more about it. And his senior year, I mean, he fell so in love with God and his word. Everybody started to notice at mm. his school. And his senior year, he was nominated to be the senior um, class chaplain. Wow. Ended up, like, speaking at. Um, sharing his whole testimony in front of like 700 people at this Christian school. I had people in the, you know, in the community contacting me. Like I had no idea y'all were walking through that. Thank you for letting your child like tell that story. And um, I mean, he talked about becoming an atheist and Mm. what, like, it it was just, it was so powerful, but, um, but you know that I didn't know if that's where the story would end up. And I didn't know how long it would take if it did um, when he first started, we started seeing truly, it's like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, God turned his life around. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at JJ one day and saying, God didn't just turn his life around. Like God has turned our son inside out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and yet I didn't want to get my hopes up because I never, I just never want to put my hope in how my kid's doing. And maybe yeah. that's just a lesson I've learned over time at t- when I have maybe in the past, but um, I never want to get my identity out of how they're doing spiritually or academically or relationally, nor, um, you know, where they are spiritually. I mean, he could, I know that God has a hold of his life. Like he's walked through valleys even since then going off to college and he's walked through some hard times and um, God is definitely pursuing him. And, um, even when Andrew kind of puts God on hold and does things on his own, like I can just see him where he turns back to every time is to, to Christ. Mm. But, um, you know, our kids, they're, they're becoming, um, with each year, they're becoming more and more of who God created them to be. And I just think they need to know that what matters more to us than anything is that, that 
their faith is their faith, that it's not just something they inherit from Mm -hmm. us. Like they want it and they need it to be their decision. And I, I wouldn't change much of what I did. Like I wouldn't go back and, and, and not take them to Sunday school and not teach them all the Bible stories and not pour in and pray over. I wouldn't change any of that because while we were walking through it, I felt like I've done the best I could with what I had, mm. but he's yours, Lord. Yeah. And, um, and God kept reminding us both mm. of that. He is mine. I've entrusted him to you. Um, I knew this was coming. It didn't catch me off guard. Yeah. Um, and Andrew also challenged me. I, I remember one time we were in the car and he said, if you believe everything you say you believe, then this wouldn't scare you. And I was just like, oh, man, mm. you know, he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Oh, yeah. I believe God is as big as I said he is all his life. This would not be freaking me out. Mm-hmm. And so it challenged my faith. Yeah. Um, and it built my faith for sure. But mm. it also stretched my heart and... um and I, I think it's I think it definitely has changed me as a person um, in a lot of ways with with all of my children. And the thing we're doing a little bit differently with Aster, just in case people might wonder, you know, what did I learn? One of the things I learned from both of my boys was that when you grow up in a Christian home and your parents talk about Jesus in the Bible all the time, by the time they're teenagers, it sounds like the Charlie Brown teacher. Mm. It's just wah, 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 wah. Mm-hmm. Wah. And both of them said it lost the awe, like there was no awe to it because I never knew what it was like to not have Christ in my life. And so when y'all would talk about him dying on the cross, like it was just a fact I'd always known. Mm. And it wasn't until they walked away, Andrew or Joshua, sorry, my oldest had become kind of agnostic. Um, He believed there was a God, but he just didn't know. He just, he just did, he just was very much intellectual, mm-hmm. you know, it was more like intelligent design and scientific proof and all of that. His, his journey was much shorter than Andrew's and he was, he was not antagonistic, but both of them needed to walk away from what they grew up with in order to decide, um, well, this is kind of catchy, <laughs> what they grew up with so they could, you know, decide, you know, what they would grow old with, mm-hmm. like what would their faith look like yeah. as, as they they grew up old and, and that might sound kind of cheesy, but, um, so what have you done different with Aster? Oh yeah. Good. Bring me back. Um, we are not talking about Jesus death until she's much older. Like we, we are, want her to get to know him as a person, like a baby that was born at Christmas mm-hmm. and as a boy and as a person, but until she's probably a teenager now, she might hear, I she'll probably hear it at church, but it won't be a big thing that we emphasize at home until she can psychologically get it and feel the weight of it. That's interesting. That's a very yeah. interesting. So that, I mean, and that, that's just where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, Aaron and I, Aaron grew up as a pastor's kid um, and I grew up in a Christian home and both of us would say that we did not start following Jesus until we were in our twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get that Charlie Brown voice, you know, I yeah. understand what that feels like. Um, and so for us, our pendulum swings a lot the other way. As far as, I mean, I remember I was talking with one of my kids um, about, you know, following Jesus and, you know, there's, we don't do any language of, do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart and pray? And then you're a Christian. Like we don't do any of that. Um, And I was talking to him about it and about a relationship with God. And I just said, do you think that 
how did that sound? And he said, oh, I just, I'm not ready right now. That I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself that um, I so trust in like the, the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. that that didn't scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, as growing up, I think I, I went to church in an environment where that would have been a very scary thing to say out loud. You know, someone would have mm-hmm. like freaked out that I said that because, you know, what if I died and I hadn't prayed the prayer um, right. and I'm just very confident that God already knows um, and he already knows the journey that my kids are going on and your kids are going on um, and none of it's in vain and none of it is an accident and and your kids faith is so strong because of the road that they walked, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I just we really want like you said a while ago, it just really resonated with me. I want my kids faith to be their own. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want it to be something they feel like they inherited or they were born into a Christian family, mm-hmm. any of that. Like I want them to know Jesus for their own. And I I love hearing you talk about journeying through that with your boys and then how that looks different now with your daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. And I think um, as parents, what you went through um, with as parents who have a faith, what you went through with your kids, I think it's probably one of the scariest things we could ever imagine. It was definitely, mm. it was absolutely, it completely rocked my world. And I mean, I wept like, I just like for like ongoing, you know, off oh, I and can on only and, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were lots of hard conversations and, um, cause you just don't know, like, I, you know, I can say now like, wow, okay. A year and a half and he came back to Christ and he's in school now studying to be a pastor. I mean, he feels called into ministry yeah. and he has such a heart for kids who are growing up in Christian families who become atheists because in his cr- Christian school, especially the second one, there were a lot of them mm. who were very turned off to religion and Christianity because they just, it was a bunch of rules and regulations yep. and it wasn't theirs mm-hmm. and they felt forced through the motions of Christianity, but their faith and their relationship with Jesus wasn't there. Mm. And I think the reason we desperately want their faith to be theirs is because when they go off to school, like they're on their own. And, you know, they need their faith to be uh, what they can rely on. Like Mm. I remember when our oldest told us he wanted to go into the Marines when he was like 16 or 17. And of course we wanted to panic. Um, And (laughs) I remember thinking, because he said, I feel like God's calling me. And I remember thinking, I have a choice. I can panic and try to grab the reins and talk him out of this. Or I can say, and I, this is what I ended up doing is saying, I trust your ability to hear from God. Mm. And if God is calling you into the Marines and you possibly get killed, I am so thankful for the time I got with you. I had with you mm. because you belong to him, but yeah. I trust your ability to hear from God mm-hmm. because I thought that is the best gift we can give to our kids is to let, is to teach them how to listen for God's voice and then keep building their confidence when, when they feel like they have yeah. for questioning it and then enforcing our thoughts, you know, and that's mm-hmm. hard. I mean, that's a hard challenge it's as a parent. It's so hard. But, it's so, so hard. But you're right, because one day they're going to leave. They are. And I have two to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. And and you 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 want to mother them, but they don't they don't want you to, nor should you. Mm-hmm. They no. need to grow up and become men yeah. who um, who seek you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for their own decisions and directions. And it's just been so rewarding to watch our boys make decisions that they came to us for counsel, but the decisions were theirs. Mm -hmm. And we knew that they were praying and seeking God, but we also knew that 
if they made a mistake or a bad decision, like he, he would direct their course, yeah. you know, and we could just keep, you know, texting them verses and praying for them and, and processing with them. But we wanted them to become men who became, who were confident mm. in their ability to seek God and, and, and follow him. Because in the end, like, isn't that what we want? Like, mm. isn't, it's not just that we want to see our kids in heaven. Um, it's that we want them to walk with Jesus, yeah. you know, on earth. Yes. And, um, oh. it's hard. There's nothing that stretches you more. Um, but, uh, well, I know that just hearing your story, I mean, I'm glad I couldn't ask you a question because I was crying over here. Um, but I do know that just listening to your story, um, of, of the decisions that you and JJ made as you were parenting of seeking God first and what you were doing and holding your tongue when you wanted to do this and, and letting your boys walk down a road that was hard to watch and not being overbearing. You've really, really an encouragement for us mamas that have kids that are behind yours. And so as we walk forward and parent our kids, um, I do know that we're going to remember this conversation as we walk through mm. hard times with our kids. And so I thank you for sharing that. Um, with well, us. An it's an honor to, uh. to share and, um, and to encourage and, just to say we're all in this together. Yes, we know? are. Yes, we are. And we need each other and none of us do it right. But nope. let's just do the best we can with what we have every day. Um and do and and you know, try again tomorrow. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's exactly right. Um, Renee, I want to ask you, what are three things that you're loving? So three things that I'm loving. One that I'm drinking right now is some new like green tea with like spearmint in it. My husband's on this new health kick. And so it's Tazo tea. Probably everybody's already drank it, but this is my first experience. Uh-huh. So I'm loving that. Okay. With a little bit of honey in it. Um, I am also loving, what else am I loving? I'm loving my new dog. We, um, someone, a truck driver found a dog running up and down the steps of a church about an hour from here. And a friend of mine found out about it, called us. We already had two dogs and now we have three. Oh my gosh. What so. kind of dog? Or is it just a... Uh... Is it like a mutt or what? what is it? No, she's definitely part dachshund. And that's why my friend called me because Aww. she knew we, we had a dachshund and love dachshund. So she's part dachshund. And I think she has like some Pomeranian in her. She's got mm-hmm. long reddish hair, but she is, I've never met a dog so relational. Like she will lay with me and like look deep and longingly into my eyes (laughs) like she loves me and she's cuddles with me and she falls asleep with like her legs laying straight out and I am absolutely loving her her name's Bella Bella so I am so sweet Bella so sweet Um, we have a dog who is um she's about 10 months old yeah, and I always you got a dog. Yes. You weren't a dog, weren't a dog person, I guess. Well, we do. We love dogs. We just have, okay. you know, we finally have a house big enough for four oh, children yeah. and okay. a dog. Um, and so, but it's funny because you said that about how she's relational. Um, Aaron came home one day the other day and I was like, you know what? Landry, that's our dog's name. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can always count on Landry. She always <laughs> looks at me kindly. She's loving. <laughs> she's always happy to see me. Like, when these kids are upset with me, Landry's not. I love exactly. this dog. It's the best. <laughs> I agree with you. I needed Bella in my life. I think that's why God brought her. I thought, uh, I thought, you know, it was for my other dog to have a friend, but I think it was more for it's me. It's for you, for you. So, um, um, and the other thing I'm loving is called, it's a book that um, was recommended by a friend. Oh, and I can't remember who wrote it. It's called Writing Down to the Bones. So I'm a writer. Okay. Uh, and I know um, you have a, probably have a lot of writers that listen to and um, you're writing too. So this, but it's a, I love it. It's just a book about writing down to the details and writing down. It's called writing down to the bones. So that's a new writing book I have never read before. By Natalie Goldberg. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Do you have it? No, I just looked it up. I'm going to add it to my to-read list, which is what I do all the time when I talk to people. And now my list is just growing and growing. Um, What are you reading? Oh, what am I reading? So I am terrible about reading more than one book at a time. So I am reading Anne Voskamp's The Broken Way, which I loved your recent interview with her. And um, I am also reading Shalene, Shalene that wrote um, Love Skip Jump, her book, Ridiculous Faith. It's kind of new. Okay. Um, I met Shalene at a conference we were both speaking at, and she gave me a copy of it, and I'm loving it. Oh, Shalene Bryan? Yes, Shalene Bryan. Okay, got it. Ridiculous Faith. And um, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm probably reading more than that, but those two I'm really enjoying. Okay. I have been given this book as well, Ridiculous Faith. Have you? Yes. I get, I'm sure like you do too, get books sent to me, and so... Um, I have it's it here. It's a fun one to read before bed. Like it just has really, and it's really, it's not about having ridiculous faith as much as it's about the ridiculous goodness of God. And, um, but about living a life of faith in like kind of in an adventurous way so that we can see the ridiculous goodness of God. So okay, it's just, well, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, an encouraging book. Oh, Renee, it's so fun to chat with you. I knew when I talked to you before that I wanted to have you on, and it has been so wonderful just to talk about women and community um, and just your encouragement to us moms. Um, if we are walking through, if we have, or if we're going to, and we don't even know it, walk through some trials with our kids has been just a godsend to me. And so thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, um, it, Like I said earlier, it really is an honor, and um, I hope that it encourages you know moms of all ages with kids of all ages too, just wherever you are. Um, I hope something I said just helps. Surely will. Surely will. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. Have a great rest of your day. Guys, I told you that you would love her. Was I right or was I wrong? I know I was right. I loved my conversation with Renee. When she talked about bringing your best gifts into the home, we were talking about some of that identity crisis that sometimes women feel when they've been in the workforce and then they choose to stay home with their kids bringing some of your best gifts into the home, I was just like, yes, I wish that someone would have spoken that over me about 10 years ago. Such good advice for all of you mamas that are staying home with your babies. Even for you moms not staying home, Renee was full of encouragement for us. And so I loved having her on. Guys, I want to thank Therefore Teen Gathering for also being a sponsor of this show. This is a high school girls conference who's bringing in great speakers such as Annie Downs, Amina Brown, Kat Armstrong, Winter Evans-Pitts, all of those ladies I love, and most of them have been on this show. This teen gathering is for high school girls. It's a conference that happens February 17th through 18th right here in Texas in Fort Worth, Texas. Basically, therefore, teen, the conference people, they know this should be true. The high school girls all have fears, insecurities, and passions. Therefore, address Aziz in a real, honest way through great speakers, interactive experience, and powerful worship. Right now, use the code JamieIvy to get $10 off your ticket. Guys, today's show is edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, my guest is Cezanne Hendricks, and you're going to want to listen to this show. Cezanne is my very first, basically, lifestyle blogger who focuses on fashion and beauty, which, if you ask me two of the things I don't do well, fashion and beauty... Um, She's beautiful inside and out, and I had such a great time getting to know her, and I loved hearing about her journey towards following Jesus. Guys, if you didn't listen last Friday to the Happy Half Hour with Kat Armstrong, I highly suggest you go back and listen to it. Those shows are such a fill as well, and they're usually right under 30 minutes. Okay, guys, enjoy your week. 
share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.